Welcome to the show. Brent, Matthew, Joshua, the group's all here. Guys, how you doing? Doing well, Brent. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Good. How about you, Josh? I'm doing good. Everything's good. I'm kind of enjoying uh, the last couple of days of uh, the gloomy mornings. I think it's a little residual from that June gloom, so I'm doing good. Does it kind of seem like either this year is flying by or is it like taking forever? I, I can't tell because sometimes it's like the days are long, but then the months are just seem like they've been flying by. Yeah, pretty fast. I mean, ho- hopefully we could get the six months over and get into 2021 pretty quick. I think I did the calculation. It was like since we were last in the office, it's been like 110 days. Does that, does that seem like a lot of days? Does that seem fast? Yeah, but, you know, March was so long. And then the months after kind of March and April, it just started to really speed up. And I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, to me, it's, it still feels like some of the days are long. It's like weeks can take some time, but then you look back and you're like, man, June's already just flew by. Now we're heading into July, you know, and then we'll be right up in August. So it just seems like days are flying by, though. Mm-hmm. It's, kind of, it's kind of funny because when we left the office on March 13th, we, we put our predictions out there that we were going to, when we thought we were going to be back in the office, I think I said the first or I think you said the first week of, of April, Josh. I said the second week, <laughs> Matt, you said the first week of May. We were all way <laughs> off. <Yeah. laughs> I, I think if we would have said 2021, anybody would win at that point. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> you can yeah. see the, the year after my month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's on the plans for 4th of July? Anybody have anything good going on? I'm going to play a little golf over the weekend. You know, always on the golf course, trying to golf once a week right now. Going to be in the pool with my swim trunks on. Going to grill some burgers and dogs, maybe drink a beer. Um, just really celebrate celebrate our country, celebrate America. Right, you, Josh? Yeah, no no real plans. Obviously, it's pretty hard right now to, to make any, any uh, big plans. But uh, my wife and I plan to eat some burgers and some dogs. I'm, uh, I'm going to get around and golf in with Matt here. So uh, we'll see who does better on this uh, America birthday weekend. Yeah, that's about it. Maybe take a bike ride, but we have no real, real big plans. What about you, Brent? We're planning on, uh, I think we may be staying home. We obviously want the kids to see fireworks. Uh, we can see a lot of that from our house, but you know, it's kind of hard right now because you want to make plans, but with everything kind of shutting back down, it's hard to make any real plans. But we just want to make it exciting and fun for the kids. I, I think that's what's always you know, the best part of it holidays as you get a little bit older and have young kids yeah for sure you should go to uh one of those um fireworks stores in fontana and create your own show this year yeah i'm not about that man i don't do doesn't seem brent style (laughs) no i I don't light things on fire it's just not i think it's illegal in our city so i'll stay away from that uh but if anybody's watching us on youtube you can definitely see who the golfers are because you guys look like you're both wearing golf polos right now yeah yeah i got some new polos for that course so might as well use them for the podcast too yeah i'm not in the golf polo you guys are we, <laughs> maybe i'll join the club soon all right so let's get to some hot takes uh investors ages 65 and up who made a change to their portfolio between the months of february and may 33% of those move some money out of stocks. Uh, what's your thought on that? It sounds like these people need a financial planner um, or a little bit better advice because, I, I mean, I know when the market falls, it can be scary. But again, my, my guess is they all probably sold around March and then they bought back in May once everything, uh, you know, once the, the dust settled. But they probably lost a ton of money doing that. And 
You know, it's unfortunate because they people age 65, you are at retirement age. And, you know, we obviously work with a ton of clients who, who are at that age and we understand the fear, but you can't let fear dictate your retirement plan. Yeah, I, I agree. And 33% is a lot. Like, that, that's just a lot of people. One out of three people, you know, over the age of 65 made changes to their portfolio. I mean, to me, that just screams red flag. Like, why are so many people during this downturn, especially at a time where, you know, if you're in retirement, I don't think your portfolio should be changing too drastically. I mean, especially if you're needing it for income or anything like that. So that, that number just is really alarming that that many people are, uh, are moving in and out of stocks uh, at this, you know, volatile time. The average age in the U.S. for retirement is actually right now 62. But in recent years, the most common age has actually creeped up to age 65. So if you think about the most vulnerable time for a portfolio is really when that first you know, one to three years after somebody retires. So anybody who just retired or had been retired a year before, maybe even two years before, who is taking income from their portfolio, I can understand why that was so emotionally concerning. And you know, to try and stay in with the unknown of not knowing what's going to happen in the market. I get it. I get the concern that a lot of people would have, but you have to stay in. I mean, you know, in four weeks, the market wiped out almost four years of returns. But if you miss March 24th, 25th, and 26th, you miss probably some of the best days that will happen over the next, next decade. You'll never make up those returns. So as scary as it is to me, and I understand that, man, 33% is a large number. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm glad a lot of those weren't any of our clients because, you know, we had some calls, but people weren't really diving out of the market. They just want to talk about it. Uh, I mean, hopefully maybe you could say maybe some of those people were buying like we were, but I mean, unfortunately they don't say it. So I guess we should, we're assuming they're selling. Right. PGA Tour pros have used the Whoop Fitness device to detect COVID symptoms early. Uh, you guys being big golf guys, Matt, I've heard you drop the Whoop line a bunch of times. What's happening here with this? Is this true? Yeah, so it is. Uh, actually, uh, Whoop, which is a fitness device maker, similar to like a Fitbit or an iWatch. I actually have one on right now. It, it's on my wrist for the people watching on YouTube. But essentially what they found was that their users who reported having COVID-19, they saw a spike in their respiratory rate days before they actually had the virus symptoms. And so they partnered with a bunch of different universities, Harvard Medical School, Birmingham Health, CQ University, and they ran, a, they ran a study. And what the study shows is that by wearing a whoop band, you could uh, detect if you have COVID by uh, day three of being infected, which is earlier than the testing kits can detect you. So I, I of course, went out and bought one real fast. Not surprising. <laughs> We'd expect you to be first. So I guess, like, from... Like the, what it basically does, the Whoop monitor basically monitors your fitness level, your health, your diet, hydration, sleep performance, respiratory rates, all of those bo different body ranges. And I guess what the story basically goes is the golfer, Nick Watney, right? He flies into the golf tournament on Wednesday. He goes and gets tested Wednesday. He tests negative for COVID. He goes out Thursday. He plays his round. And then uh, that night, Thursday, he sleeps. The Whoop picks up that his uh, respiratory rate started to increase because he'd worn the, the, the monitor for a long time and uh, he knew what his rates were. He then started to see it was going up that night and increased throughout the night, went and then made the conscious decision to go get tested Friday. 
he went and got tested. They got his – he went and started to play his round, or he went out there. Friday, they got his test results, and he tested positive. So he basically could have been playing the whole weekend just infecting everybody he was around had it not been for this device. Yeah, pretty amazing. And so, I mean, I decided to try it out. They have a, a one-month free trial, $30 a month. It does take a few days to get it, I guess, regulated to your body. So I'm now just starting to get my data going. Uh, but for $30 a month, my wife's pregnant to detect early COVID, I'll wear it. My take is I just want the Apple Watch to do this. I think that everything that the, the band does is, is awesome. I mean, just for the simple, like if you're an athlete and like the recovery performance that it shows, um, just for recovering from, you know, workouts and preventing injuries, I think that stuff's really good that that band does. But I don't want to wear two bands. Yeah, I, I wear an Apple Watch and I know, Matt, you're showing off your, your two bands here. I guess this is my cry to Apple, buy this company and incorporate it into your watch or I don't know what the solution is, but I just, I don't want to wear two bands, but I do think that, you know, the story you told Brent and um, the reviews and just all of the analytics behind the band are, are really, really cutting edge. And I, I think they're awesome. I mean, if this really does work, every sport better be getting on this for all their athletes, because I mean, this is a way to keep players protected and athletes protected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same with all Americans. If you have, you know, I tried to get my parents to to buy one. With yeah. your dad being a doctor, what it, what what was his thought? He like poo pooed it. He, he was like, "Oh no, you can never tell that." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Well, the technology's changed a lot since you were in medical school in the early eighties." <laughs> <laughs> I I did see a couple of doctors on uh, on Twitter that were saying the same thing, but. I mean, respiratory rate, I mean, if it's able to tell you respiratory, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would be that difficult for that thing to predict that if that's, you know, the biggest sign of COVID is respiratory issues. But I think even besides COVID, I mean, just to have that even more depth, like those analytics to your body, like yeah. all of those combined that, it, that it's, you know, incorporating, I think it's just helpful for just overall health or, or being more healthy. Absolutely. All right. You guys ready for the next stage in this podcast? I am. Yes. All right. Let's head on into retirement planning corner. Uh, the question we are asking is, is it time for a new financial advisor? And uh, how do you know if it is time to seek a second opinion? So we're really trying to get some insight, let people know what, what to be looking out for, what you want to be paying attention to. And we've created a different list of, of many different things that you should be aware of. Uh, so let's start with number one, which is one of my favorite, frequent portfolio changes. Uh, every time you meet with your advisor, you're making a change to the portfolio. Uh, what's your thoughts on this, Matt? Uh, so let's say, you know, you go for your annual or quarterly review with your advisor and every time you meet with them, you're making it, you know, a change in your portfolio. They're maybe throwing a Morningstar uh, printout at you and telling you the fund you're in, fund XYZ is no longer good and you need to go into fund ABC. And here's why. And it's a gold rated, top performing Morningstar fund. Then they start talking about some benchmarks and how great this fund is. And I mean, you even know what a benchmark is. What's a benchmark, right? And they're just throwing big buzzwords at you and confusing you. If that's happening, it's probably time to seek a second opinion. Yeah, throwing those Morningstar reports at you, right? Yep. Got to go from the three-star Morningstar report to the five-star. Exactly. Josh, what are your thoughts? I think that, yeah, the frequent portfolio changes is just a, a really good indicator. And you got to ask yourself, you know, do you have a, a yes, man? Every time you go into the office, you're on the phone. Is it, is it yes? You know, I think I should change. Yes. I think, you know, we need to change direction. Yes. So if it's always constantly change and there is no, 
input. There's no, you know, real knowledge or coaching or education behind the changes. You know, who is that really benefiting? Do you even know if it's really benefiting you if there's just constant portfolio changes with no real great explanation, only Morningstar reports and benchmark reports like you guys were talking about? I think it's a really good trigger to, to start looking for a, a second opinion. Yeah, I guess my question would be is why, are, why is somebody constantly wanting to make trades? Because or changes if they are, you know, that's more than likely they don't have a strong investment philosophy, number one, or number two, they're doing transactions and trades because they get paid when they do transactions and trades. You know, back in the day, uh, when I say back in the day, 80s, 90s, beginning 2000s, you know, most advisors were making commissions based off of transacting. You can play stock trades. You know, you could buy three trades, three uh, shares today, buy three shares next month. I mean, these guys are trading all over the place. And then also in mutual funds, you have loads, so you have commissions getting in and out. So there's a lot of transactions that were going on. You still see that a lot today, and we hear about it a lot. And it's just movement because of some kind of financial gain that's generally better for the advisor than it is for the client. Like, we don't really go through that. Like I don't have a conversation of, let's make this drastic change in our portfolio. I mean, ours is all investment philosophy based. Let's make a rebalance here if we're making any changes at all or adjustments to their lifestyle, or their plan. But besides that, like, I don't think that really should be happening. If it is, I would seek a second opinion. I don't know what you guys think. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Point number two, unclear fee structure. Your advisor charges you a commission. You don't understand what you are paying for. Uh, Josh, give us a, an idea of what that would mean. I just want to start with, uh, um, you know, if they tell you you're not paying anything, there's no fees. <laughs> Um, you know, or um, don't worry about it. It's just baked in. Those kind of common words or common uh, phrases that are used are just really big red flags. Um, and we all have examples of, you know, how unhappy we are when it's unclear of how much we're paying, whether if it's a contractor you hire for your house or an attorney, anytime there's that unclear fee structure, um, when they're not very transparent about the way that the advisor is making money, it's just another, another red flag. Uh, for, you know, clients to seek a second opinion. Yeah. So when I was in college, my mom um, inherited some money because my grandparents passed away and she went down to the bank to get some advice on, on what to do with the money. And what ended up happening is the lady, you know, made her a uh, proposal of different Morningstar reports and, you know, sent her with some funds and she brought it back home and showed me and my dad. And, you know, I'm just going to make up a number because it's easy, but let's say she inherited a million dollars. Well, the funds the lady was putting her in all had 5% load fees. So just for, you know, putting together the portfolio, my mom was going to end up paying this lady 50K up front. Her million dollar inheritance would turn into $950,000 for nothing. Yeah, and starting my dad had a negative return. Yeah, my dad and I were like, well, look, here's these A-share funds. We could just go to TD Ameritrade and buy the, the non-commission based funds or Charles Schwab. Why on earth would we work with this lady? She didn't want to pay the entry fee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So long story short, I mean, the money's managed at Charles Schwab, but we manage it now. But this is crazy. My feeling is, is that if you can't tell me exactly what you're paying on a quarterly basis, monthly basis, however you're billed, exactly what you're paying in a fee, then there's a reason to look for change. Because you, sh you should know from the to the penny exactly what you're paying. You should have an invoice for it. It should be fully transparent. There should be no discrepancy or no lack of clarity of what you're paying in fees. You know, there's no reason for that anymore. Technology is too advanced. People should know exactly what they're paying in costs. 
you make a good point though. Like just where's your, where's the invoice? Do you even get one? Like how, how are you keeping track of that? And if you're not, maybe ask yourself that question and find out. Yeah. Cause if you think of your portfolio, like a business, the higher the expenses you pay, the less your profits are going to be. So how can you uh, go, how can you have unmanaged expenses? I and mean, what business runs without knowing what their expenses are? And if that's your largest asset or one of your largest assets or one of your most important assets, probably really know what your costs are to the penny. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Next one. Doesn't do full financial planning. Your advisor only talks about your portfolio he manages or she manages for you. Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so if you're meeting with your advisor and every time you meet them, they're just going over, you know, maybe a portfolio performance report and they're not helping you with those other areas of your financial life. Like, what are you paying them for? I mean, when you go with your advisor, they should be going over your balance sheet. You should be looking at a cash flow report. You should be discussing, you know, when you're going to retire, what your social security is going to look like, how you're going to convert your retirement account into income. But, you know, a lot of these advisors out there, all they're doing is managing money. You can get money managed for really cheap at Betterment or Wealthfront or Vanguard. So like we were saying in the last one, why do you need to pay them a bunch of money if they're not doing anything? I feel like a lot of advisors ask good questions about what people's goals are, you know, but I don't know that they all really solve for it. Is that your feeling? I don't know. It depends where, where your advisor's at, you know, on the independent side, probably, but I don't know, Josh, you have a little bit more expertise on what it's like working with a bank advisor. I mean, are they asking goal, goal-based questions or are they just showing a portfolio and selling? Before I left, my experience with, with that side of the business was, you know, the corporate bank was getting better at the conversation about goals and making sure that, you know, your goals are talked about and um, to make the client feel more comfortable. But it was still very, very transaction-based. It was you know, Barry, you're getting this model. Yes, we do financial planning, but the financial plan is the same for everybody. Like you're getting the same portfolio and you're getting this booklet that we put together with the you know, full bullet points of your information to pump out this generic financial plan. So, you know, that's something to be very, very mindful of. Is it really tailored to you? Because I think it's becoming more common, like you said, friend, of the goal conversation being had by advisors, but is that plan actually being custom fit? Is it really being tailored to your situation to be getting and receiving that real value of financial planning? And just on all the points that you made, Matt, and like one thing that wasn't a big conversation, especially on the bank side was taxes, which are just a huge part of financial planning and investing. And there's not a lot of time talked about that, which I think that's a, you know, a really big value add from working with an advisor that's really doing full financial planning. Yeah. And I think if anyone's sitting there thinking like, you know, is there really financial planning can solve for some of my really complex issues or just basic issues? Like really, could it solve and allow me to see what I want to see? The answer is yes. I mean, financial planning software is so elaborate. It's so amazing now. Um, Software can solve for anything. So if you're working with the right people, yes. I mean, there's so much that this software can do. I mean, for many clients, a lot of times we don't even have to touch half of what the software can do. Just because everybody's situation is different, everybody's needs are different, you know, you don't need that same thing for everybody. But software is amazing. So, you know, if they're not really doing financial planning or solving for goals, key, key factor uh, in this topic. Let's lead into the next one. And I hope you guys don't just leave this one for me. Uh, Only talks about annuities. Your advisor uses the word safe money in meetings. Uh, What's the old pitch there? I think you should just take this one. I mean, (laughs) 
Get, get into it. Tell us about safe money, Brent. Yeah. Okay, so so the old pitch in annuities that you always hear, and I've been listening to this stuff for the last 15, 16 years, is, oh, this investment goes up, but it doesn't go down. The most you can lose is zero. It's a stair step to financial freedom. You know, they draw the little, the little <laughs> drawing on the board. What goes down can't go down. It's just, you know, it's a stair step climb to the financial stair- freedom. I don't know if I've financial. heard that one. <laughs> that is really good. Uh, I don't you know if you guys saw this but even there was some stuff floating around online and Twitter recently about some lady that was selling annuities on TikTok now it was all the same stuff what goes up doesn't go down the lowest you could do is zero I mean it's it's all this and it's all fear-based selling about you know uh, you don't do you really want to lose any of this money right you've saved this your whole life what happens if the market goes down 30 percent do you really want to lose it all Let's put all of this money into this insurance product. Well, guess what? And, and you know what goes along with that is the whole commission-based stuff where you know, we get paid from the company who we put your business with, so you don't have to pay us anything. That just screams problem. Anybody who's like switching you from where you're at into these commission-based annuities, be just very, very aware. It's not probably going to go as planned, and a lot of this doesn't work out. I'll tell you a quick story. So. My dad recently got pitched at his company regarding some life insurance that they're starting trying to implement into his plan at work. And I looked at the illustration and it said, well, if you put X amount of dollars into this plan for the next, I think five years or seven years, it was short because his retirement horizon was short, that you would have X amount of dollars paid out for the rest of your life. So I'm like doing the math on it. I'm like, so you put in X and they're going to give you three times more of that amount of money. And you're only putting in for this short amount of time. Like, Okay, so basic math doesn't add up. So I reached out to them and I'm like, okay, so can you explain to me how this is possible? Well, on the illustration that they ran for him, they can only run it at a max return. So there's a max amount of rate of return they can run it at. They basically ran it at that. So they, they stretched the illustration as much as they can. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's assume, you know, because the world exists in a non-perfect state, that things don't go as planned and you don't get your maximum rate of return because that's probably not going to happen in an index-based uh, annuity or insurance like this. So they re-ran it. So when they re-ran it though, he re-ran it with a different algorithm because when you run illustrations, you can rerun it multiple times to give it the outcome that you want. That's part of the downside of working with these insurance companies also. So, like, so basically they ran it best case scenario. The, the first very, time, very best case The scenario. first time they ran it, they ran it the very best case scenario. But then I had to run it the second time. The second time they ran it to me, they basically ran it where the expected rate of return was slightly less, but in no years did the market go zero or less than zero. So basically, they, every year for the next 20 years or whatever, it had a positive rate of return. I'm like, how is that possible? Have we not seen in the last like 10 years, 15 years, how many times the market can be negative? And so just the ability of the which they, they structure these illustrations for someone like my dad who doesn't know all the numbers, he would never know. Like, seems like a great deal. I put in X, you give me Y. Seems to work out great. Tax-free income doesn't work like that. There's just too many manipulations in that side of the industry. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think it's wrong. And what bothers me is it affects other people's life, and that's what I don't like. Can't trust them. Can't trust insurance agents. And, that, and I guess sure. I should rephrase that. It's not best case scenario. That was in a perfect world. Was that was those illustrations that were ran for your dad? Which yeah, it's, it's scary. It's, it's in such a perfect world that the insurance company for compliance and fiduciary responsibilities will not let you run it any different than that. Yeah, that's, 
bunch of red flags. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else about safe money? Or you guys just gonna let me handle yeah, that? I think you covered it. No, that. we like we like when you handle All safe right. money. All right. Well, if anybody wants to talk more about safe money, call me because we can talk about that <laughs> for, for hours. I gotta tell you stories for fifteen about over the last fifteen years. All right. So uh, number five, your retirement picture is unclear. Advisor has done a poor job preparing you for retirement. You don't have an action plan or the slightest idea when you can retire. Uh, Joshua, why don't you start with this one? Yeah, this is this is really good, especially if you're getting to. I think even at any age, if you've met with your advisor and it's not clear, your cash flow report, meaning your projected income expenses, and you don't have a projected retirement date. I mean, that's just the very basics of a retirement projection. If you haven't seen that actually created for you, this is a really, really, really big red flag because really that's what you're paying your advisor to do is that specialty of creating this retirement projection. So you have a clear picture of what your future is going to look like and having the numbers to actually really coincide with that picture. So I think that if you haven't received that, if you've been working with an advisor and you still don't know what your projected retirement income is or don't have a projected retirement date, those are all just, you know, red flags of, you know, seeking a second opinion or asking more questions because really that's what you should be paying your advisor for. Yeah. And then once you get that retirement plan, like how are you going to distribute the money, right? The day you retire is the richest you're going to be your whole life because most likely you have to live on that money. Uh, most Americans do. So is your advisor helping you create a safe withdrawal strategy? So you're going through all the different withdrawal options or like Brent just said on the last one, are they selling you an annuity and telling you it's safe money? Yeah. And I agree. I feel like a lot of people that we meet with as well, like even for the first time, we have that conversation about, do you understand how your assets are going to create income for you? The answer is no. And, you know, and that's one of the values that we add is helping them understand how, like you just said, that withdrawal strategy of how to turn this pot of money into that income stream. And that's very, very important. I agree with you, Matt. A lot of people think it's, you know, just going to be dividend stocks at bonds or an annuity. But I mean, there's other other ways to do it. So, yeah, yeah the, the retirement picture, if you're sitting there and the retirement picture is so unclear and there's so many unknowns to what happens within your plan, your money, your finances, your life, that chapter of life of retirement, that's completely understandable. I mean, a lot of people enter a relationship with an advisor with us with that same feeling. But to me, it's kind of like, you know, picking up a book on a topic you don't know a lot about, but you're really interested in knowing about. You don't have a lot of experience with that, maybe, and you have a lot of questions maybe in your mind and you don't have a lot of clarity on it. But once you start reading the book and you get through the book, it all starts to really make sense. That's what a good advisor should do when they're doing planning is take something that's really unclear, relate it in a very simple way so that you can understand it and show you very clearly how it can work and give you clear outcomes. You know, then you have that peace of mind knowing you know, you're either going to be okay or you need to work longer or if you can make some really good decisions at that point. But make sure that that should provide clarity, though. Yeah, 100%. So we went through a lot. Uh, any last thoughts on some of these different topics? Oh, no, I, I mean, I'm good. It's, it's, you know, if you are feel uneasy with your advisor for some reason you don't trust them, you know, call up a fee-only advisor, uh, look on napfa.com or is it .org? Sure, prepared better. Uh, look on NAPFA, Google fee-only financial planner. and a lot of them, like we do, they offer those free initial consultations, set up a phone call, 
talk with the advisor, you're going to get a completely different experience than working with an insurance agent, a bank advisor, a broker, or even your rep at your 401k company. Yeah, we didn't even you know, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, get, get a second opinion. If I was having knee surgery, I would get multiple opinions. If you're about to retire, you should probably get a couple sets of eyes on your plan. And just to check that, it is uh, napa.org. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really hard for people to make change. I mean, it's hard for me to make change. Hard for all of us to make change. And you know, if you're sitting there like, yeah, it's not great, but uh, with this relationship, but I just don't know who to call. Go on Napa, do some homework. It's worth it to spend the time looking and researching because you know those those changes or uh, that time you spend looking for somebody else can really change your life. You know, it's not worth sitting on something and not making a change just for the fear of not wanting to put the effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's head into the last part of the show. RPA recommends, uh, Matthew, I'll start with you. What do you have for us today? So I'm just going to grab it from over here today. I'm going to talk about element hydration tablets. So I heard about these on a, on a podcast. Um, it's basically just flavored salt water and you put it in a water bottle, you shake it up, you drink it. It's like a Gatorade, but without sugar. Mm. Really, really good. I, I, I love the product. I actually started taking drinking one every day. So I usually have it in the morning. I like it. Best hydration product I've ever tried. Yeah, I, I, after you said that, I, I had a tried one. and I bought a box and, and, and started drinking them. They're, they are salty, but I mean, I felt hydrated. It felt good. Hold that yeah. box up again, Matt, just so uh, anyone watching on YouTube uh, can see it. And then I, uh, when I'm golfing, pro tip, I do one in the morning and then I bring one in the cart with me. I uh, gotta say, hydrated. Big, big golf guys for that big golf swing you guys got, huh? <laughs> Josh, what do you have for us? Um, my recommends uh, today, uh, if you've been watching the YouTube, you might have noticed, is just to get a haircut. Uh, it feels really good. Brett's been uh, on me to get a haircut because my hair was so long, but. Uh, I finally got one. It feels really good. And I recommend anyone who's been putting off a haircut, if you can't get one, uh, get one because I uh, feels fresh and especially in the summer. So that's, oh, no. that's my recommends. For today. You, feel, you feel normal again? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I think just the, the long hair and it just kind of everywhere was uh, bringing me down a little bit. So just a lot more smiley today on the podcast now that I got my haircut. So my RPA recommends uh, stems from something that Josh had taught me a, a while back and, and I didn't really always use it to full capacity like it could. So it, this is something that extends from something I learned from somebody else. And that's why I want to share it with everybody else because I think it's actually something really good. It's kind of funny because we have like this, this conversation in the office or joke in the office that, you know, no matter how much a client portfolio goes up, it's like, yeah, you know, you did good. We're glad the portfolio's up, market's up. We made a lot of money, good, happy, clients are fine. But you save a client like $50 and they think you're the greatest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you find a way to, for them to save $30 or $40 on insurance and, you know, you send them to somebody that bundles everything in, and that's like a big deal. Well, I have something that everybody can save money on. So I've been buying a lot more online, like even groceries or anything that I need that I don't really need to go to the extra stores for. I just go and get it online. But I've, I've noticed all, a lot of these companies all have an area where you could put in for a discount or, or a voucher or whatever. Well, if you just Google that company and put discount code on there, you can find discount codes online. And you just copy and paste that discount look code on whatever you're purchasing, and it immediately knocks money off of your tab. It's amazing. 
And I've been, tell- I've been telling Matt where he gets his meat from U.S. Wellness Meat to use a discount code because you can use, say, 15 or 20%. I use it every time. It saves some money. And everywhere that I've been ordering from, before I order, order it or put my credit card in, I go and look for the discount code. I've saved hundreds of dollars over the last, like, six or eight weeks just putting discount codes in. So I'm not a big coupon guy, but I'm all about saving money. And if you well, I have there, to. I didn't have to cut off because you guys used to make fun of me for searching out the discount codes. No, I it's just amazing. Throw that out there. It is absolutely amazing. I'm telling you, I've saved $100. If you're out there, you're listening, you're, and you want to buy something online, and it says discount code, search the discount codes and put the discount codes in because you'll save money. And then, you, and then email us and tell us how much you save. That, that yeah, I like that. I like that stuff. I'd like to hear from the client saving money. Did, did we talk about honey on the show yet? No. Honey, or it's like a honey, a, a Google extension. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll save that for the next show. That'll that'll be my recommends. Well, I'll piggyback on your discount code story in the next show. I, yeah. I won't waste a good recommends, but glad to hear you're saving money and then using that search discount. Really yeah. like that. So everybody out there, go search discount codes every time before you buy something online. Save some money and let us know what you save money on because we get some really good feedback. So send us uh, your feedback on what you save money on. I got a promo code for the Whoop before we close the show since we're talking about <laughs> discount codes. Uh, um, Joe Rogan has one. So if you use his last name, Rogan, R-O-G-A-N, you get, uh, I believe it's 20% off the Whoop band. That's what I use too. And let's make sure, let's make sure they're clear. Like we don't have like an RPA like discount code. Like we, we don't have, we're not sponsored yet. <laughs> <laughs> we should get one. I know. That's Retirement cool. plan playbook. Plug it in. Yeah. But uh, thank you all for listening. If you can, please go rate our show from wherever you're getting your podcast from. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about us or read the show notes, please go to Retirement Plan Playbook. We thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.